boy, that's a hard uh, lesson to learn. If anointing goes by size of Bible, then we're in good hands this morning. Large print, King James Version. <laughs> and don't think, if you're a visitor, don't think that I'm a King James only guy. Because I'm not. Because that would mean only English speaking people have the. You know, I've heard people say, well, if it's not King James, it's not the Word of God. Well, then what do the people who speak other languages have? Okay. I didn't mean, I, I didn't know I was going to make all of you mad. <laughs> but not only is this a King James Bible, and not only is it large print and large edition, it was. It belonged to a very holy man of God, uh, my wife's grandfather. So uh, it's a privilege to get to use this Bible this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I echo the sentiments of Walker. If you are a visitor, welcome to the River Church. We are so glad you're here. You are now to us family. And those aren't just words. That's fact. Your needs are now our needs. Your desires are now our desires. You know it would be nice if I had marked 1 Corinthians. There it is. Spencer, I could probably say it from memory if I wanted to, but... 1 Corinthians 15.19 If in this life we only have hope in Christ, if in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, of all men, most miserable. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, God, that we would, our minds would be illuminated to, to what you want to say to us. That, God, that we would find hope and strength in you. Lord, I pray in these next few moments that you would hide me behind the cross, that I wouldn't say anything that is not of you. Lord, I pray that anything that is not of you would not stick, God, that, but only what is of you would, would penetrate our hearts and our minds. And change us today, Lord, by the power of your word. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> this is the third Sunday of Advent. Jesse mentioned it. It's joy. We haven't followed the typical Advent calendar this particular Christmas season. We had special speaker last week. If you were here, you know why. That was a great um, service. Um, and it is today is the third Sunday of Advent, and typically <clears throat> we, we speak of joy. But as I was getting into preparing for my message, I could not get away from this text. This text kept ringing over and over in my mind that if this life and its troubles are all there are, then we're miserable. <laughs> right? Jesus told us, in this life, you will have trouble. There is going to be trouble. And talking to some of you this week and hearing reports, some of you this week, I thought, Lord, 
Help us not to give up on hope. Help us not to give up on hope. Because if all that we have is what currently happens to us, then it's, it's trouble. And there's no, not a lot of hope in that. Uh, I believe Martin Luther, I, I searched this morning, it was either Martin Luther or C.S. Lewis said this. <laughs> I know there's quite a disparity there between Martin Luther and C.S. Lewis. <laughs> but it was one of them. And, if, and if, when I say it, I'll probably quote it wrong, and then you can correct me after service. Just do it humbly and with the right spirit, and it'll be fine. Just kidding. He said, if all I have to go on is this life and the experience of this life, then I would have to come to the conclusion that God is not only not good, but that he is sometimes cruel. And that's a startling statement coming from either one of those gentlemen. Because one was the father of the Reformation. One started this uh, thing we call Protestantism. And the other was a great, great uh, theologian, one of the greatest uh, Christian apologetics that ever lived. Okay, I I determined after the last time I preached that I was going to follow my notes because it went so poorly. But this is the third Sunday of Advent. And it's supposed to be about joy, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about hope. And Advent is a time when we, we wait expectingly for Christ to come. It's a time of waiting, a time of expectation. It's a time when we, we celebrate and, and when they waited for Messiah to come and Jesus came as a babe. It's also a time when we look forward to another day that is coming. Right? When Jesus will come back. And when Jesus will make all the rights wrong. When Jesus will wipe away every tear. When Jesus will take away our pain. And there's a, there's a type of Christianity that sometimes we fall into where we ignore pain or we pretend that it doesn't exist or ignore the trouble that's facing us and pretend that it doesn't exist and pretend that we're not going through it and thinking that that somehow is more spiritual or but it's, it's really not. We're taking away from our humanity. And Jesus came and he was all human, right? We don't ignore pain. I'm going to give you an example of, of when we try to ignore problems how they, and pretend they're not there, they don't go away. Susie, there's a picture that I sent you this morning um, of an unfortunate mishap that somebody had this week. I'm not going to tell you who this person was, but um, he drives for a delivery company. And he popped over this hill, County Road 120 in Mount City, on a gravel road going about 40 miles an hour, and saw this snowdrift. And he thought to himself, what's there snowdrift doing here? <laughs> Why is this snowdrift still here? It must not be very deep. It's about 40 degrees out. I'm going to gun it. Or I'm sorry, they thought to themselves, we're going to gun it. And we're going to get through this snowdrift. <clears throat> and so as you can see, they proceeded to do that. It's kind of hard to tell, but the snow is up to here. The rear bumper is buried. And he can't, they cannot go forward nor backward. But in their own stubbornness, they refused to accept the fact that they were stuck. 
Go to the next Susie picture. This is their view from their seat. As you can see, in the distance, there's a house. That's where they were going. And so they determined to walk to the house. As you can see, the footprints. (laughs) And later when I pray, I'm going to say, Lord, why was there only (laughs) one set of footprints when I was going through that? (laughs) And he's going to say, because I told you to call the tow company, dummy. No, kidding. So they walked to the house three quarters of a mile in the freezing cold. It wasn't freezing. It was about 40. Uh, because they had hopes that someone was home with a tractor or a truck. That didn't happen. So I spent, they spent about 45 minutes telling themselves, you're not stuck, you're not stuck, you're not stuck, you're not stuck. Drive, reverse, drive. Didn't have a shovel, had a Panera cup, because I had had breakfast with Walker that morning. And so I emptied my Panera cup, and I'm out there digging snow with a Panera cup, And 45 minutes lost before admitting and coming to terms with the fact that you're stuck and you need to call Mound City Towing. Which then they proceeded to come out and took about another 45 minutes trying to get me out. The guy snapped the rope, or, or almost snapped his rope, and long story short, I was I was guilty. I'll go ahead and tell you it was me. I was guilty of pretending that I wasn't stuck. Trying to ignore the problem, thinking it will go away. Trying to say, oh, you know what? I can get through this. Lord, come on. I mean, maybe if I pray harder. Lord, dissolve this snow. Lord, send a heat wave. So, I wasted a lot of time and energy when all I really would have had to do was make a phone call and say, I'm stuck. And that's what I eventually did. But there is a kind of Christianity and a kind of believing sometimes where we ignore the obvious, or we pretend it doesn't exist. And we pretend the pain's not real. And we pretend that it's, it's... And that, I believe, is not a faithful way of being a true believer in Christ. Amen. There's a kind of Christianity that likes to pretend that bad things don't happen. And when bad things do happen, we pretend they aren't. It's a wish, and, and we think we can wish our way out of things. And, and, and believe me, I'm not saying that prayer doesn't change situations. And I'm not saying that prayer won't rescue you. And prayer won't help you. But there are times when life is hard, right? Jesus in the garden could have pretended that it wasn't about to happen. But he didn't. He prayed. He prepared his disciples. He tried to prepare them. He told them over and over, look, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And when it did happen, they're like, ah! They ran. Bad things sometimes happen. We say God is good, and God is good all the time, but what happens? What we mean when we say that most of the time is that My life's going the way I want it to. 
God is good all the time. God is good. What we mean is my life's going the way I want it to. But sometimes life doesn't go the way you want it to. Sometimes bad things happen. And how can we have hope in the face of despair? How can we have hope when the doctor comes and gives us a bad report? Because sometimes Christians get awful news. Sometimes Christians lose loved ones. Sometimes the unthinkable happens to godly people. I heard of a pastor, and he was a pastor in um, Wisconsin. <clears throat> and there was an 18-year-old girl that went to his church. She was driving to a church camp in, that his church was sponsoring and putting on. Her parents prayed for her before she left. She was by herself, driving by herself. They prayed for protection. While she was driving, something happened. She had a wreck. And while she, somehow in that accident, she was knocked unconscious. Her car flipped upside down into a pond. The water level rose just above her mouth and nose. And she drowned and died. Going to a church camp. Having been prayed for by her parents. Sometimes horrible things happen. God did not cause that to happen. God did not cause what you're going through to happen. God is not up there thinking, I'm going to punish them today. They're going to pay for that. He's not. He's a loving Father. Sin enters the world. Sin has entered the world. And through sin, bad things come. Through sin and rebellion, bad things come to this world. Pain comes into this world. Hatred comes into this world. God didn't cause hatred. God didn't cause pain. But in those moments, what hope do those people have? What hope do we have? If bad things happen to us just like bad things happen to everybody else, where is our hope? It's like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life, the only hope, if this, this life is all we have to hope for, then we are of most men most miserable. So where then is our hope? Our hope is in the resurrected Christ. Our hope is in the resurrected Christ. Because what God means for the Son, He means for you. We are joint heirs together with Him. Amen? We are joint heirs with Christ. And God has completed the work in Christ. Everything that God meant for Christ, God has already done. Everything that God means for you and me is not completely done yet. But when it is done, when the work is completed, we will look and say, God is good. And all the time, God is good. What you're going through might not be good. But when God is done being God in you, then you can say, God is good. It did not look good when Jesus was standing before Pilate. His situation was not good. 
It didn't look good when, when they took him and beat him. When they forced the crown of thorns upon his head, it didn't look good. It didn't look good when he was nailed to a cross and his life escaped his body. Scripture says that he gave up the ghost. And from the cross, he looked heavenward and cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, Father, why have you forsaken me? And sometimes that's how you feel. Sometimes that's how I feel. God, why have you forsaken me? God, why am I going through this? God, why are my kids not saved? God, why are... Why am I sick? Why Why have you forsaken me? Have you ever asked God that? Have you ever thought that? It didn't look good when Jesus was on the cross. But when the power of God came into that tomb and God vindicated Christ and the Spirit came back into His body, and the light shone out of that place, and the stone was rolled away, just as God did it for Christ, God's going to do it for you. And it might not happen today, and it might not happen the way you want, but when God is done being God in your life, you will look and say, God is good. Amen? Because he resurrected Christ, we have hope. We have hope. <clears throat> our hope is not in our health. Our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is not in our bank account or finances. Aren't you thankful for that? Although in this country we are blessed, to most countries in the world we are rich, and to whom much is given, much is required. We will be held accountable for on that day. Walker and I talked about this Wednesday when God judges the nations. It's coming. How we treat the less than these, God will judge us for. We will be judged. I don't know why I'm staying here, but there, there is no us and them. There's only us. All of us. Okay. I talk enough politics. I'm sorry. America will be judged. Every nation will be judged. Jesus said it for how we treat the poor and how we treat the, what we call the least of these. All right, I got lost. I get mad when I start talking about politics. Forgive me, Lord. The fact that Jesus was resurrected from the dead gives us hope. Because on that day, when all things are made right, when all things are made right, 
your pain, your suffering, is not going to be brushed away like it never happened. But God is going to make it right. God is going to bring healing. When Christ rose from the dead, He still bore the scars. He still had the scars from the pain. But they didn't bring Him pain anymore. Because He told Thomas, stick your hand in my side. I don't know about you, but I've been hurt before, and I don't like people to touch it. Oh, where does it hurt there? You ever go to the doctor? Oh, your nose hurts? I thought I broke my nose one time. A baseball hit it. And if you've seen me play baseball, you think, you ever played baseball? And when I went to the doctor, he's like, does it hurt here? Well, of course it does. Stop touching it. Christ still had the scars. They didn't bring him pain anymore. And you will carry with you scars and they will bring healing to others. Your scars that Christ heals will bring healing to others. Amen? If you allow Him, if you turn them over to Him, if you, like Christ in the garden, say, not my will, but thine be done. God, take this from me. God, please, please, please take this from me. But if you don't, not my will, but yours be done, then God will use that. And then your scars sometimes can bring healing to others. Amen? In, in I believe it's in 2 Samuel. It's either the end of 1 Samuel or sometime in the beginning of 2 Samuel. David's running for his, for his life from Saul. And he comes to the, the temple. <clears throat> and he says to the guy, do we have any swords here? And he's like, he says to him, do you have any swords? He's like, the only thing I have here is the sword of Goliath, whom you killed. And David says to him, hey, give that to me because you know what? There's not another sword like that. And then you read later in the, the rest of uh, 2 Samuel how that David defeated the brothers of Goliath, the other giants. And taking a spiritual application from that is the sword that was intended to kill David. David used that to kill the giants in other people's lives. Now I'm not talking about violence and actual murder. But the thing that is the enemy has sent to you to try to kill you, if you will give it to God, then God will somehow use that to bring healing and health and life to others. And that is where our hope is. That's where our hope is. Our hope is not in our present circumstance because if it was, we would have all meant be most miserable. But our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus. If you continue to read that chapter. And I'm almost done. Aren't you glad? Be glad because it was going to be a three-pointer. Hope in God. Hope in others. Hope in yourself. If in this life we have hope in Christ, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. That's in Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Hallelujah. There's a place to shout right there. For he must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expected, which did put all things under him. And I'm jumping ahead. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Verse 42. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. The corruption is us. We are corruptible. But this resurrection life is sown in us. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. In your weakness, God will become strong. In your weakness, God will become strong. You just don't understand. I'm weak. I've got so many weaknesses, so many faults. Of course you do. You're human. We all have weaknesses. We all have faults. People who stand up here have weaknesses and faults. I can point out everybody else's to you if you want me to. And I'm sure they have mine, a list of mine alphabetized and in order of importance. But we all have weaknesses and we all have faults. But if we will turn them over to Him, then He will be made strong in our weaknesses. If all we have to look at is this life and what we're going through and our weaknesses and our faults and, and the problems we have, it's miserable. But we don't. We have Jesus that we can look to. All right. In a moment, verse 52, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Lord, bring it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I came today to tell you from the Lord, don't give up. Don't give up. Your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. And there is coming a day when death won't get to speak anymore. Death temporarily is still allowed to speak. But it does not get the last word. It does not get the last word. On that day, we will be able to say, death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Don't give up hope. Your labor is not in vain. The dreams that God has put in your heart, don't give up on them. The vision that God has put in you, don't give up on it. Your family members that everybody else would give up on. And you have a right to give up on. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. Because no matter how bad it looks now, when God is done being God, we will be able to look and say, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen? Amen. We're going to take communion together.